We talk a lot about Microsoft on this show, but what about Amazon? What do they think about the managed services space and SMBs in general, specifically Amazon Web Services? Ben Schreiner joins me. He spends his time thinking about this space. I ask him the way they engage, what they think about, and what products are important. And I bet his answer surprises you on this bonus episode of The Business of Tech. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Four. Well, Ben, I'm excited to talk to you. Thanks for joining me today. Happy to be here, Dave. Let's start with a super easy question. Tell me what you focus on at Amazon Web Services. Uh, Dave, uh, we focus on helping small and medium businesses grow by leveraging technology. And uh, specifically for the managed service providers, we're trying to help them offer new products and services to their end customers uh, via AWS. So talk to me about a little bit what that means. You know, when, when I think Amazon Web Services, I think of lots of great developer tools. I think of lots of components that go into building solutions, generally for mid-market enterprise companies that have internal developers. Tell me what it means for you as it relates to managed services providers and small business customers. Sure. So we, we do have a lot of managed service providers on the platform themselves. They tend to be born in the cloud, so not your traditional, um, you know, probably, probably audience member who is operating in a colo or has a data center of their own. Uh, they're ones that have kind of grown up with us. Um, that being said, the their experience and the benefits that they get by being on AWS and the amount of innovation and agility that they have with AWS is something that I think the traditional MSP uh, would A, find interesting in, in improving their operating margins or their ability to offer new products and services. Um, and again, the cloud offers the ability to scale up and scale down and some efficiencies to tailor uh, the expense side of the house with the revenue side of the house. Tell me a little bit about what your born in the cloud provider looks like. Somebody who's, who's said from the beginning, we're all in with AWS. What, what do their service offerings look like and what are they consuming from you? Uh, well, it's it's all over the board as you'd you'd expect. But uh, if you think about the traditional needs of a of a uh, a small medium business, it's e-commerce platform, it's email, uh, it's desktop support, it's help desk, it's all of those same traditional uh, types of services that a, a again a traditional managed service provider would would be providing. Um, and then they go uh, you know one step further, doing uh, integration work. I think that's a a big challenge among small and medium businesses that seek uh, the help of a managed service provider is stitching together the software that they've purchased. And you're seeing more and more small and medium businesses um, take advantage of software as a service, you know, whether it's for accounting or customer uh, relationship management, um, you know, you name it, inventory management. But if that software isn't being run by the managed service provider, you now have data you know, in some other cloud or in some other data source and not uh, with the traditional managed service providers environment. So 
pulling all that together is is one of the value adds uh, again of being in the cloud, um, and that some of our our cloud native managed service providers uh, are, are again taking advantage. of. Are they doing a lot of coding? Are they you know are they are they using the console to link this to the help make it tangible for me on like what what they do with their day to day? Yeah, it, it, it does depend on the problem that they're trying to solve. Uh, again, as a managed service provider, um, it could be that they, they have a software that they're offering and, and just managing it on behalf of a customer. No different than you would in a colo or hosted or traditional, um, data center, right? So it's the same, it's the same mental model. I've got a piece of software that my customer wants me to run and manage on their behalf. So they do that, uh, in, in the same as a traditional MSP would. Um, that said, they have access to our 300 services. So they're not limited by off the shelf software that maybe they package and provide to, to, to many customers. They're able to then enhance those. Think, uh, you know, maybe it's, uh, uh, you know, you mentioned the database, right? Or, or data analytics. Uh, we've got a bunch of tools that can be layered on top of a database and provide, uh, for example, reports and reporting capabilities that might be um, limited by the software that's off the shelf, but the data is there or the data is in several different places and the managed service provider is pulling that together in a data warehouse on behalf of the customer and then layering cloud analytics on top of it so that the end, the, the end customer now has dashboards and metrics that weren't available in the traditional software itself. So really gotcha. enhancing, enhancing that service. Interesting. And, and you bring up the data analytics. I've been thinking a lot about that myself. And I think that, you know, small businesses have a, a kind of a unique problem set when it comes to data analytics because they want to do, do that advanced, you know, in integration. They want to be thinking about reporting, but capabilities often limited, oftentimes dealing with off the shelf software that doesn't give them good insight. Talk to me about what you're seeing at AWS in terms of, of your ability to help navigate those challenges from an Amazon perspective. So from an Amazon perspective, we, I mean, I'm talking to customers all day long and, and what they're saying is, is exactly that, Dave. I've got data all over the place, um, but not where I want it. Um, it's not available for, um, to help me improve my customer service or help me make better decisions. And I, they really are looking for partners like a, an MSP or a system integrator to help them um, bring that information together um, and, and turn it into insights. And ideally into something that can change how they interact with their customers or, or more, most importantly, every business I'm talking to is trying to grow their business. So how can we use the data that we have um, so that we can use it to grow our business in in a in a profitable way. So, where the where's the good entry points? Like, if you're 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 thinking about working with your existing customer base, and you're thinking about, well, hey, you know, I hadn't considered using AWS for that. Like, are there certain product lines that are the the beginnings that most providers look at engaging you with? Yeah, I, the first one right out of the gates, Dave, and the easiest one is is backup and recovery, right? And so your your team out there has a lot of small and medium businesses. Your audience has a lot of small and medium businesses that are dependent on them to operate in a reliable manner, right? They're, they're counting on that availability of their systems. And so I would say, you know, having a cloud backup strategy is, is prudent, uh, making sure that you have a way to recover. If you are still using physical hardware, having your backup and potentially recovery of your operations in the cloud 
could give you a level of flexibility that maybe and affordability that maybe you don't have in your current environment. So that's that's probably the easiest, uh, you know, and and less uh, changing of operations, less disruptive to you know normal course of business for a managed service provider. I would say after that, Dave, the next is just what are your customers asking for? What do you need? Where can you innovate, right? And that's something that AWS and Amazon's quite known for being a relatively innovative company over the last few decades. Uh, we've invented a few things that uh, have become, uh, you know, pretty customary and standard operating procedure, including the cloud itself. Um, you know, so I'd, I'd say for the MSPs looking to innovate on behalf of their customers or looking to take their business to the next level, that's something we want to talk to them about. We've got a, a methodology um, and a digital innovation program where we work backwards from our customer and their customer's needs and really look to solve problems. And the example I'll give you, if you've had the experience, uh, and if not, uh, uh, I'd encourage you, we have a, a go store where it has our, our walk-in, walk-out, or just walk-out technology, right? Where you go into this convenience store and there's, there's no staff, uh, there's snacks and food and drinks available. They have in some of the airports now, and you literally just walk out, right? You take whatever you want and you walk out. There's no checkout. And, we actually use this innovation process to actually look at the problem, which is the checkout and go, okay, you know, you have self checkout in some of the stores now. And that doesn't, for some people, that doesn't solve the problem easier because there's still lines, right? And there's, there's also still theft in, in a lot of these uh, retail shops. So how do you solve both those problems and eliminate the, uh, the concept of, of theft as well as uh, this concept of, of having to, uh, to man checkout centers and, and again, using computer vision and a lot of uh, technology, we've we've created a different way to uh, uh, to check out of a store. Now, it's super interesting to me that you start with backup and you end up at, at computer vision because I wouldn't have. <laughs> I'll admit to some surprise in that I wasn't expecting AWS to start with. Oh, our primary thinking on this is backup. I actually want to then go in into you know you, you brought up the computer vision stuff and, and there's a lot of AI and machine learning that goes into that. Talk to me about the way you're thinking about those technologies, both AI broadly and generative AI specifically, in the small to medium-sized businesses. My, my working theory here has always been that uh, most small to mid-sized companies will be consumers of products that have these integrated into them rather than building them. And that's, in my head, there's a cognitive dissonance and disconnection because I think of Amazon as a, as a tool company that helps me build those things rather than a product off the shelf that I deploy. Help me understand what Amazon's thinking when it comes to the AI and generative AI space. Sure, Dave. I'll, I'll start with just explaining how we view uh, AI ML and, and the whole space. And, and it's it's in three distinct layers. And the, the first layer is is hardware. It's It's the chips, it's the compute, it's the storage, the network, everything that makes AI and ML possible at, at its foundational layer. And we've invested over the years in, in uh, specific chips, both for training and inference to make it affordable uh, to leverage these models um, in, a, in a cost-effective way. So the, the price for performance um, is really cutting edge and, and something we continue to invest in. So it starts with that kind of foundational layer. And, and again, the cloud really brings the data all together. These models consume massive amounts of data as you know, and so having the compute power to be able to support that is 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 foundational. The next level is 
is interacting with those models. So we released generally available um, a, a month or two ago, uh, our, our bedrock managed service to allow um, developers to engage with models and, and they would be building models and, and, and applications, uh, but trying to make it easier. And the, the big difference between us and maybe some of the other providers when it comes to AIML is we believe in choice um, and really making sure that uh, we don't think one model is gonna rule them all um, and, and actually, um, depending on your use case, uh, one model may be superior to, to another one by, by, by many magnitudes. And if you don't compare the result, how would you know, right? So we believe you're going to have a use case. You're going to test it against the model. You're going to see a result. And then pointing it at a couple of other models and comparing will allow you to make the best choice for your business and for the solution that you're trying to create, allowing you to tailor the price for performance for what outcome you're looking to get to. So that's the middle layer. And then the final layer is actually interacting with AI, right? And these are purpose-built AI capabilities. Um, think about um, uh, you know, tr uh, transcribing um, or taking text-to-speech. Um, they're, they're very specific problems, but you don't have to train a model to be able to do that. I just want to send a file, and then I want to get back a file, right, that says, here is... Here is the, uh, the text from our interaction today. But I'll take it one step further, Dave. I want to actually turn this into, um, let's say, Spanish so that we can reach your Latin American managed service providers. And being able to, to translate on the flyer, do closed captions, all of those things um, are capabilities that you shouldn't have to know how, what model it is or, or how to run it. Just I want to feed it through and get a result back. And that, I think, is where most small and medium businesses will leverage or ISVs or, or software providers will leverage us to enhance their products or capabilities. Where are you seeing the biggest adoption right now? Like the biggest success stories in this space, where are they coming from? Yeah. So right out of the gates and it, it, it's, it reinforces your mental model. It's, it's those that have software are looking at AIML and generative AI as a way to enhance that software, right? So that's, that's easy. And we've got a big group of customers that are doing just that. But I'd encourage your listeners to think about customer service, right? So if you've ever called up customer service and, and again, your customers, customers call up and they've got a problem. And then the customer service agent starts the, the, the script, right? Did you unplug it? Did you reboot it? Did you do right? And we go through the script. Even if I told you I did all those things already, I'm still going to go through those steps. And what if you could have, uh, AIML injected into the call center, which we have with our product Connect. Connect is a cloud-based um, you know, call center that has a sentiment analysis uh, embedded in it. We're continue to add analysis uh, and the ability to, to augment scripts and allow you to look at the, all of the questions that have been asked and then your documentation of all the solutions that have been provided and provide that agent in real time uh, a better experience, both for the agent, you know, they're not, you know, doing the internal search, trying to find the answer and, and saying, hey, please hold while I go, you know, look up the answer for you. Instead, it, they're being fed information uh, a lot faster, allowing for shorter call times, faster time to resolution. And then ultimately, really what we want, Dave, is, is happier customer interactions in the end. Um, that really is the, is the panacea, but we're seeing more and more customer interactions be enhanced um, with, uh, with AIM. 
What's the data requirement? Like in order for, it seems to me that one of the prerequisites to being successful at all here is to have done a pretty good job in making sure your data is clean or, or is, you know, is, is not completely disorganized. Like, but at the same time, you could spend so much time organizing the data, you never get any value out of it. Like what are the prerequisites from a data perspective for customers to be successful? Yeah, for a customer to be successful, you do have to have a modern data strategy. Um, and it, it starts with getting your arms around what do you have? Where is it? And then can I consolidate it in a, in a place that makes sense for then me to apply the tools and the analytics or the, the AI models, um, as need be? But you're right. These, these generic models, the large language models are, are great, but they're, they're only as good as the data they were trained on and, and they have no idea about your customers or your services or, or your history, right? So augmenting any model with that pertinent specific information is critical. And then also critical to that is making sure that data is secure, encrypted, not shared, you know, publicly uh, by mistake. So all of those considerations, uh, need to go into, um, you know, your planning for taking advantage of these new transformational technologies. Now, I want to get your sort of positioning kind of almost competitively. And I got to reference some competitors for a moment. So Microsoft is leaning into the idea of co-pilot, uh, you know, and the idea of, of, of putting, you know, AI sort of next to things. If we look at it from a Google perspective, they're leaning into it again with their BARD technology. What's Amazon Web Services positioning on the way that you're thinking about these, these AI tools from a, you know, how they interact with the customer position? Yeah, David's. Our, our differentiated approach all along has been focused on security and privacy, first and foremost, uh, followed by choice, right? And so the others that you mentioned uh, are have, have models, but they're all from the same source, right? Uh, they're all der derivatives or evolutions of their own models. Um, and and that's, that's their approach. Ours is actually to to uh, invite and, and make available many other models. Um, we have our own, of course, we're making those available. But we also have Anthropic, we have AI21 Labs, uh, Cohere, uh, Meta, uh, and Stability AI, just to name a few. Again, back to this, we don't know what model will be best for your use case. How could we, right? It's, it's, not, it's not really possible for us to predict that. So We'd rather you be able to test your hypothesis against several other models and then determine based on the outputs, which model best address the use case at hand, right? And so that approach is unique in the market. Um, and again, uh, we've seen the others adapt, uh, uh, you know, the security posture that we took, the privacy posture that we took, all for the benefit of, of again, all customers, which we think is great. But this idea of, of responsible AI is really important. We're participating uh, with the White House and making sure that uh, we are developing in a responsible way. We're also publishing guidelines um, uh, in September. Uh, we sponsored IDC's um, uh, article on uh, their research on responsible AI to encourage all your listeners to go uh, download that and see some of the best practices and recommendations around how do you approach this with responsibility at its core. You, it really is important. Those are some super interesting resources. Thanks for, for observing them. I want to give you sort of the last sort of conclusion because it sounds like you might agree with me and I want to get your take 
on a premise that I've been working on. The guys over at the Tech Meeting Ride Home have thrown out this idea that the various models are kind of like varietals of grape, right? And if you think about the winemaking process, that you take a you know take a model and, and you take a grape and then you put it through its process and out comes a wine. And depending on the way you use those models, uh, you would end up with different kinds of grapes. I like this model because I'm able to extend it by saying, well, cool. If if the if the models are like the the winemakers' grapes, then Solution providers are like sommeliers, and they're the ones that actually help customers match to their needs. Uh, what, what's your take on that premise? And you know, is, are there are there pieces of it that would be missing from that premise? Um, I love analogies; uh, they help me understand things. So I appreciate this one. As I think through it, um, I think we're going to find, and you do have this in winemaking, right? Blends, right? Um, because mm -hmm. I don't. I don't know that the models um, themselves, again, they're, they're not predicting the use case that you're going to have, right? So there's a difference between having a tool looking for a problem and having a problem and looking for a tool. And so we believe, again, back to that working backwards methodology is, especially in the small and medium business space, they don't have the time nor the resources to be playing around with things, right? They have problems that they, they need to solve. And I, I like to say this, what do you, what do you spend the most time on? What do you spend the most money on? And what do your customers complain about the most? And if you can think really hard about those three things and they go look at AI and ML and to see if they can help in any of those three areas, that's time well spent. And then you're going to find the right tool to solve that problem. But I'm, I'm not really a big fan, if I'm honest, of, having a tool and then going and looking for problems. And I feel like there's a, there's a fair amount of that going on right now. And I'd, I'd encourage all your listeners to flip it on its head, work backwards from the problem, and then let's go find the right tool, not let's have a hammer and, and, and go play whack-a-mole. So Ben, that's, that's a ton of cool resources and thinking, and you're definitely aligning with the way that I think about the value of solution providers is wrapping it all up and helping them there. If people are interested in getting more information, where should they go to get access to some of those resources and what Amazon's up to? Uh, so we've got a great site. Uh, if you search for AWS Partners, uh, you'll be able to find a lot of great resources for getting started and becoming an AWS Partner, understanding the benefits of being an AWS Partner and what you're entitled to, um, as well as uh, training opportunities for those that are new to the cloud or new to AWS. There's ways to get started there as well. So I didn't encourage them to check that out and get some help from us. Well, Ben, this has been super fun. Thanks for joining me on the show today. I really appreciate it. And thanks so much for your time. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Business of Tech is written by me, Dave Sobel, under ethics guidelines posted at businessof.tech. This episode was edited and produced by Picture This Video. If you like the content, please make sure to hit that like button and follow and subscribe. It's the free and easy way to support the show and help us grow. 
You can also check out our Patreon, where you can join the Business of Tech community at patreon.com slash mspradio, or buy our Why Do We Care merch at businessof.tech. Finally, if you're interested in advertising on the show, visit mspradio.com slash engage. Thanks for listening today, and I will talk to you again on the next episode of The Business of Tech. Part of the MSP Radio Network.